to everybody's favorite auntie. A cross-generational conversation about relationships, family, and all the joy and drama in between. I'm your host, Shakira. And I'm everybody's favorite auntie, Lisa. everyone we're back with season two episode four of everybody's favorite auntie hey auntie hey and today we are joined with paulette harper hey paulette hey how you doing doing well how are you i'm good thank you i appreciate having uh, you having me on today yes we're we're very excited to have you on uh paulette harper is an author uh, she is a motivational speaker. You can find her traveling the country. You can find her books on Amazon.com, uh, bestseller, as a matter of fact. Uh, and interestingly enough, Paulette um, is a member of the church who was married to a pastor. Am I correct, Paulette? Yes, you are correct. Yes. And so I really wanted to get your... Um, I wanted to have this conversation with you to talk about something that both Auntie and I, we discuss at length, um, which is submission uh, and specifically a a woman's role in the church. You know, we have a a large portion of our family. You know, they are churchgoers. They're, you know, very religious in the, the, you know, the Christian faith. um, And they have certain things that they believe in. Um, And I think just in terms of society, we, not we, but some people see submission as, as a negative thing. Um, and in speaking to you prior, I thought that your take was very interesting. So would you mind sharing? Sure. Well, if we um, look at the blueprint, which is the word of God, and uh, we go and look at Ephesians 5, verses 21 to 33, and I'm going to read it um, out of the Message Bible. And... Um, Verse 21 says, out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent, respectable to one another. And then he goes on, Paul goes on to tell us what the role of the wife is when it comes to submission and then what the role of the husband is. And um, it says, wives, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church by not dominating, but by cherishing. So just as the the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their own husbands. And so here we see submission really is uh, being under one's leadership. It's following someone. It is um, being... Um, obeying someone and not in the word in the sense of obeying that somebody is dominating or being controlling. It is really um, out of some fear of reverence and respect for the person. And so um, it, it clearly tells us that his role is to be a leader um, in the home, but it's not by him being dominating or controlling over her. It's mutual submission. And then um, his role is, uh, it says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving 
not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words invokes her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing, yeah, dressing her <laughs> in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They also, they're also they're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. And so when we have this um, definition, clear mm -hmm. understanding of what her role is and what his role is, and we use in God's blueprint, the word of God, there is no way that I won't submit to him because he's loving me like God, like Christ loves the church. And if we think about how much did Christ love the church? He died for the church. And this is how God is expecting the husband or what he's expecting the husband to do for the wife, literally, to make that sacrifice, to love her so much that he's willing to die for her. And so when I can, be, when I have that kind of man in my life, when he's that kind of husband, that he's loving me this kind of way, there's absolutely no way I won't submit to that. Mm. I will honor him. I will submit to him. I will cherish him. I will, I will, because scripture says that I'm supposed to love him in everything. And I will do that willingly because he's loving me the same way that Christ loves the church. He is not selfish. He's selfless. Mm. And that is really what submission is. It's right. submitting to one another and having that understanding that this is what God expects me. I'm submitting to him because I love God and my relationship with Christ is going to show how I treat him and his relationship with Christ is going to show how he treats me. <laughs> so let me ask a question. Why do you think the word submissive, submissive has become so negative? Oh my God. I, I totally agree with you. It really has. I think because, um, it has just been so, it's been used in such a, a way that when people say, you know, submit to your husbands, it's like, it's so derogatory. It is so demeaning. And it's almost as though it is being controlling. Mm -hmm. And I think when, when it's used like that, then the woman's response, she's, she's, she's she gonna clap back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she really is. Right. Because, a, because a man, you know what, when he knows who he is in God, he doesn't have to tell her to obey him. He doesn't have to say, it's what I say. And because that's not how Christ is to us. Christ loves us so much, he willingly gave himself. He gives us the free will to choose. The Bible says that his goodness leads us to having a repentance heart. And so when somebody tells me, if my husband says to me, you are to obey me, that's not how, that's dominating. That's being controlling and that's not how Christ does us. And so when a man does that to a woman, then she's going to rail up. She's going to have resistance because her natural instinct is to really honor him and submit to him and to love him and to follow him. She wants to do that. And so just like Christ 
leaves the husband or supposed to leave the husband, then she would be willing to just follow him because he's been led by God. And so it has been, um, I think when people use the term, they use, they're using it in such a demeaning, such a controlling state that it, it, it invokes a woman to just rise up and say, I'm not going to do that. When that's not how, when that's not how God designed um, us to be with one another, that's not how God is with us. And so, if God is not that way with us, if Christ is not that way with us, how can we be that way with one another? Yeah, that's true. Well, for for me, and I, I think you know, many people may may share this um, this point of view. Um, so when you look at the word submission and, you know, you define that word um, not in the church, but just the root, the definition of the word in the English language, it's the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force, right? Or the will uh, for an, uh, one person, an authority figure to have power over another. So I think that you know, if, if that is what the word means, then that would explain, number one, why it has an, a negative connotation, because it it sounds negative. When you use words like right. superior and force, like, th- those are negative words. Those are words likened to, you know, servitude or slavery, right? And so th- there's that. And then when you also, you know, when submission is talked about or when I hear it in conversation, you know, you hear a lot about the male's perspective and the male expectation. Now, this makes sense because we live in, you know, a society that's dominated by patriarchy. But it, it seems that many people, specifically men, don't understand what submission really is according to you know like what what you say or what people believe to be the word of god because if you're if you're talking about submission and putting all of the accountability or the lack thereof on the wife then you're already coming at it from the wrong place mm-hmm. hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i agree that you <laughs> I mean, I do agree. I do. I, I agree that a lot of the teaching does come from a male perspective. And of course, um, you know, because he, a male is sharing it, then of course he's going to put his twist on it. You right. know? And so it's, it, and, it, and it really does, the teaching does have to, a male can teach it, but it has to be taught in the right perspective of what the word says, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take away from what the role of, the, of, of his being a leader is when he realizes that he's supposed to die for her. Mm. because that's what Christ did for us he died for us and so the husband there is more there is more accountability and more um he's held to a more standard I think more than the woman is because listen he has to literally die for her he has to be so selfish that it's not about him it's about her and so that's how the that's what Christ did for us. And so, um, you know, when, when we're taught 
that, you know, he is superior, then, yeah, I can understand how our minds, you know, for a woman, it's like, oh, he's not, he ain't no superior, he's equal to me. Of course, that's our natural, because, you know, that right. comes from the fallen, that comes really from the fallen state of man. But if we, you know, really put it in the perspective of how God sees it, you know, and it's not our opinion, it's what the word of God says, that we are to honor one another, and we're supposed to submit to one another, and that um, no one is lording over um each other is mm-hmm. a mutual submission. You you know what the word says. I know what the word says, and and we're supposed to work together to make sure that the blueprint of our marriage is being um, exemplified through our lives. So what it sounds like is, I mean, because I particularly, you know, people that I know that I've I've come across that are in the church, they don't really put as much weight on the term submission. I think it's people who are, you know, as my mother would say, in the world um, that make the term, you know, more controversial. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I'm just wondering, is it, you know, is it more of a loaded term because we're on the outside looking in? Because what what you're um, describing to me sounds like two people that have a plan, they're both moving and walking, you know, and taking steps to bring to bring that plan to fruition for the betterment of each other. But they also they also have to have an understanding of what, what their roles are. Mm-hmm. And that's a key point. Mm-hmm. Right. I right. can't I can't I can't be the one that's being submissive and you're not doing your role. Right. Yeah. But it's definitely mutual. It really is. Um, it's it's him not being dominating, and, and it's her submitting to his leadership, you know. And so if, and, and, and like you said, both of us have, a, um, you know, the, the wife and the husband has a role. And so if if I'm trying to submit to, to, to him, but he's not, you know, treating me right, then there's no way. I can continue submitting to him because of how he's treating me, you know. Right. And so we do we do have, you know, those specific roles that that we have to um, you know, to, to walk in. Um, he's supposed to be a leader because God is the, is the supposed to be leading him, you know. And so um with that there is you know, things that she needs to do, things that he needs to do, but ultimately it's both of them uh, walking in their authenticity, walking in their true identity, walking in the, you know, the, the true meaning of what submission is and what leadership is, but really um, having God as, as you know, the, the, um, the center of both of their lives. So when, when we talk about, you know, specific roles, um, and within a relationship, within a marriage, do you believe that, you know, there is fluidity within that? Like, can, you know, our roles define one way, but then are they able to change? Or is it your opinion or your belief that certain tasks are assigned to certain genders based on, you know, based on their gender? Well, are you are you asking me? Is it a woman's role to cook the dinner, clean up the house, 
Well, no, not not nothing because those things. I I mean, I think culturally there are ways that people see things, but Mm -hmm. I feel like those things aren't as important in in the overall picture. But when you Mm -hmm. use you know the term like uh, you know like the man is meant to be the leader, right? He Mm -hmm. he gets his leadership from God, and then he's meant to lead the family. So is that is that tied to him being the leader because it is his right as the man or for example if a woman is making more money or a woman is working and her husband is staying at home does she then become the leader do you know what i mean yeah yeah i think that um well him being the leader is how god has um designed it to be that's what god says his role is in the home Mm-hmm. is to be the leader and the leader is someone who is going to lead their their you know their wives into the the purpose and the plan of god you know and so rather he you know she works she makes more money those are just products of what she does in her career and vice versa but as far as leadership that's god's that's how god designed it and i think that when that is changed or when a when it's flipped mm-hmm. when a woman is leading then i think that that's out of line according to the word of god why then and, and it's also history too it's like from the dawn of day, the men was leading. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess as you get older and um, you have your family or you get married, those things are expected. Right, but, but I... Because you watch your parents, like like your parents, your um, your um, grandfather or your grandmother, your grandfather led, my father led. It, 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 that's like... So, like she was saying, I think it's supposed to, it's in line for that. But as mm-hmm. time changes, things change as well. So, it's a, it, it can be a two-way, you know, a different perspective on it. I mean, I guess for, for me, I'm, I'm curious as to why. And, and of course, you know, when you have faith, I understand that, you know, you believe in something. And that's just it. You know, you don't necessarily need um, facts or scientific reasoning or anything like that because it is your faith. So I understand that. Um, But when, you know, when you say like it is for a woman to be a leader is like not in line or it's out of line. It seems like that's something that's unnatural. Why do you believe that that is the case? Like, I know it's because like God said it like you. He God said that you so read it in the scripture. Take faith out of the picture and just use like general. No, not even taking faith out of the picture. I guess it's is was a reason ever revealed as to why the man is the lead. Like, is there a reason for that? Can you cite a reason from the scripture, or is it something that you know it's always been that way, and so this is what we follow? Well, that's that's how it's been from the beginning. That it, Christ is the ultimate example, okay, and so He leads the church, and so He has called the man to be the leader, to be the provider, to be the protector, 
Okay. And so when we're talking about relationships and, um, there are things that I can probably do well, better than my husband. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean he doesn't leave me. For instance, I might be better, a better steward financially. Okay. Mm -hmm. Than him. And so that doesn't mean that I can't do it. That means that that's a gift that I have that um, I'm better at him and doing, and he could probably have different talents and gifts that he's better at doing than I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't diminish his role as being the leader of the home. And so um, being me submitting to him and me, you know, him being the leader, um, Basically, for me, it means that um, we're working together, mm -hmm. but I'm also, um, I have a voice, I have an opinion, um, he listens to me, I listen to him, but ultimately, um, it's going to be, um, you know, what he decides to do, and being that he has to give an account to God for every wrong and right thing that goes on in my home, mm -hmm. then go ahead and do that, you know. Right. But it doesn't it doesn't diminish who I am as an individual, who I am as a woman, and who God has called me to be in the relationship, you know. And he's designed to be the protector. He's designed to lead me because that's what that's how God, that's how Christ leads us. You know, he protects us, he guards us, he watches over us, he feeds us, he nourishes us, and that's what his role is supposed to be. So he has more of a responsibility in this relationship than I do, because the impact of what he does and doesn't do is going to fall on him, and the, the, um, the relationship the way that it is, um, the success and the, the failure of the relationship is going to be heavily, you know, falling on him based on his, his, his mindset, based on how he interprets, based on what he does. Okay. And so would you say that, um, you know, as, as a, a woman of faith, you know, even prior to meeting your husband, then it's your responsibility to, you know, make sure or ensure that you find someone who is like, what's the term, like equally yoked, as in like, they are, they fall in line with like your beliefs and they compliment you and they have the same vision as you so that you trust that person to be an effective leader. Oh yeah, most definitely, most okay. definitely, and I and I think um, you know all those qualities and you know and the understanding of what each role is, um, you know, definitely has to come before a person is even entered into marriage. So yeah, definitely have to be on one accord, have you know the um, have their understanding of what each role means and what God has you know called each one of them to do. So yeah, definitely. Okay. And in, in terms of, um, so you, let, let's say, you know, you're married to someone and things are not going, you know, according to plan, like things are not working out in the marriage, whether, whether it's like him not being an effective leader or you feeling like, um, there's mistrust or whatever, whatever your, um, your terms are where you feel like, this is no longer where you want to be. 
and of course this is relative to so you know it's relative to who you are but um what is your belief in terms of you know getting a divorce leaving staying in a marriage like do you feel like um there's a specific set of standards or is it up to the individual well considering that i am divorced mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know for for me um i didn't want a divorce and so i wanted to go to counseling which i ended up going to counseling but he didn't want to go to counseling okay and so for um <sighs> So for me, it was, I wanted to do whatever I needed to do to resolve my, my relationship because I know that divorce hurts family. I know that it's not the, I think anything can be, um, uh, resolved uh-huh. and, and rebuild. It just depends on the both, both of the individuals because it takes both, it takes two people to make a marriage work. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, um, for me, because I wanted to go to counseling and he didn't, that right there was a problem. And so when I went to counseling, it wasn't more so of how can I fix my marriage? It was, how can I fix me? Mm. Mm. Yes. I have to take that. I have to take that road because he wasn't willing to go to counsel, go to counseling so that we can work together on our marriage. So I had to go by myself because I had to work on Paulette. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately we did end up, you know, getting a divorce. And so um, it hurt not only our church, it didn't just hurt him and I, it hurt our children. Right. And so after, you know, 20 something years, I'm still dealing with the effects of the divorce because of what it did to my daughters. Wow. Wow. Mm. You know, and so I would, I would, I would tell people if they're in that place where they go to counseling, they go to their pastor, they do something that can help them resolve their issues, you know. Um, but there's some things that are deal breakers in relationships too. Right. You know, yeah. whether it's infidelity, it could be financial, you know, distrust. I mean, there's many things that can break um, the trust in a relationship that that can take you know, years to rebuild, yes. you know, and so every, every individual has to decide, are they willing to put in the work? Are they willing to trust again? And if they are, then they have to do the work. And yes. so, you know, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an advocate for, for marriages. I'm an advocate for relationships. I'm an advocate for restoration, but I also know that it takes two people to want the marriage to work and if one person wants to work and one person doesn't it's just never going to work yeah absolutely absolutely and sometimes that can play also um can have a negative effect on your children as well because when you unhappy and you as being the, the um provider or the mother and the, the nurturer your kids see that 
Yeah. So that can yeah. have an, a negative impact on your children as well, staying in an unhealthy relationship. I agree. Whereas you trying to do the work, you trying to put everything together, and he's not participating. He don't want to go to counseling. And yeah, that definitely can have a, a negative effect on your children as well. Yeah, and I, I think, Paulette, what you said about doing the work on yourself is so important. Um, and me, as someone who, like, I'm not married, I definitely know, in my own personal life, the importance of self-work. Do you know? Because in, in order, you know, whether you believe in, you know, the, 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 the principles of submission, you know, as as the word as it relates to faith whether you believe in that or not ultimately i think everyone who wants to be in a relationship they want a healthy relationship they want a happy relationship and they have goals that they want to achieve with their partner but if you don't know yourself if you don't have your own personal goals if you don't take the time to do the work within you then how can you possibly have expectations for another person Girl, could you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's so true. <laughs> you gotta have self-awareness. Yeah. You want before you can even think about. Uh, yeah, it's it's so true. And I think that message gets lost, right? Because from, from both parties, you have, you know, if a man is talking about submission. It's like you're not talking about the right things. Where's the honoring your wife? Where's the, you know, leading the respect? Like, where are those things? You know, you're you're focusing on, you know, what, what she's cooking and doing a lot. Like, those are trivial. You know what I mean? And it, the, the same for a, a woman. If a woman is saying, you know, I want a man to be a provider. He has to have this and this and that. Where are your values or what value do you have to add to that? Do you know? So uh, do the self-work. I mean. Uh -huh. It's so funny that before we, um, you know, I knew he was going to be on this call. I remember when um, the whole submission thing came out with Fantasia and, you know, what she said about women submitting. So I listened to, you know, the video and I listened to the husband response to the to what she was saying mm -hmm. and he was deep and he was saying yo i when i talk about submission they say kind of same thing what you were saying paulette is that mm -hmm. i'm talking about you know demanding stuff or mm -hmm. I'm, I'm talking about me i'm talking about being a leader i'm talking about yeah. doing things for myself so she can be to follow me and to yeah our household can run efficiently and i was yeah. like wow because mm -hmm. you know she caught a lot of flack for that comment yeah, yeah. Which, which it's yeah. like you know she's uh, yeah she's famous but like ultimately she's a person so you know i don't know why people look to celebrities for guidance like they are people they're making mistakes and choices just as we are so it's like yeah, if you know she can be in the street one day and then the next day and she in the church talking about submission like that's her business <laughs> that is her business <laughs> well, unfortunately we live in the um digital world and you know those yeah things 
because she a celebrity yeah viral yeah yeah Yeah, for sure and that that brings me to um i guess another question for you paulette uh in regards to what's being taught in the church right because this conversation i'm sure when people listen to it it will be a bit of an eye-opener because you know you are an advocate for submission in the true sense and you're a female you know you're a black female um so i think you know, women, I think, will be very interested to hear your point of view. Um, and again, it's not something that is that to me, it doesn't get publicized enough sort of in layman's terms. Right. Like how you related to, you know, day to day versus building your relationship to reach your ultimate goal. Um, and, and it makes me wonder if. In the black church specifically, are we teaching I don't know if it's the right thing or are we teaching the right way? And and what I mean is if we had more teaching to men, right? Or young men, boys about submission and what that means. And even taking out the word submission, like let, let's get off that for a bit. Just what it means to be a leader in your family, in your community, right? What it means to be responsible. If we had more teachings to young women about what it means to hold yourself in high regard, to value yourself, would we not be in a better place? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> right? Most de- most definitely, because those are the two uh, weak links that we have yeah. in, in our community. For sure. Where young, where young men, a lot of them don't have role models. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they don't have the leaders that they can look up to and say, this is who I want to look like. They have rappers. Okay. <laughs> no, wow. really. They no, have, you're right. They have, they have you know, the, the those that are, that are in, you know, social media, those are the kind of leaders that they look up to. And so, um, and I'm not saying, I, I'm saying the leaders that are not, being led by Christ, okay? Mm-hmm. And so they have to have, you know, they have to be taught what leadership is. And so, and that, like you said, that comes from, you know, um, a very young age that if we can, you know, get our young girls and our young boys at an early age and teach them, you know, the, the principles of, you know, for, for a young girl valuing herself, let, uh, showing her that she's, she's worth, you know, she has value. She has, she's a jewel. She's a queen, you know, and that she doesn't have to, you know, exploit her own body to get attention, right. you know? Yeah. And so, and if we're teaching, the young men how to be a leader how to want to aspire to be great you know how to want to you know go to school or have a craft or be an entrepreneur be a businessman that provides if we if we teach these things while they're young then these they have the ability to grow up and to really be everything that they were being taught and so it's it's really is lacking in our community and so that is definitely something that we um have to teach you know at a at an early age so that they can grow up and, and not succumb to um the the drugs and the gangs and the violence and the killings mm-hmm. um that we see in our community today right. and it's so deep it's so deep that it starts at home 
some of you know what you both are saying um just in in terms of you know it starts at home that is 100% true um you know there times were different you know back in the day um it doesn't you know but times were also not so great like there there 
now that we have social media and everything is out in the open, we're able to peel the curtain back and see what's been really going on for years. You know what I mean? Like crime, gangs, drugs, infidelities, like all of these things were happening. They were running rampant. A lot of, you know, people in our community are products of that going back generations. So it's it's not something that is new. What I will say is that I feel like the message needs to be adjusted. So when you said, you know, sort of like parents, um, you know, coming home and just in putting their kids, like allowing their kids to just be on the phone and leaving them to their own, you know, devices, both literally and figuratively. Um, that was me growing up. Like I came home, I did my homework and I was watching TV. Or I, you know, went to the park after school and I didn't really, you know, I was actually talking to um, my cousin about this. Like, we didn't get the talk. I didn't get that. You know, even when I had, when I first got my period, it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you know. There was comments like, you're a woman now. And it's like, what does that even mean? You know? So there, there wasn't, and of course, some people had that because that's uh that's the, that was the culture within their family, right? Mm-hmm. But on, on a larger scale, we didn't have that in our communities. And so, you know, now with parents, just like back then, it's up to you to figure out how to communicate with your children, right? Like with using your mom as an example, you said there were eight of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had to understand that each one required something different. You know, that that is the making of a good parent, you know, and not everyone was like that because we see the fruits of that generations later. And so just like with parenting in the church, I feel like the message needs to also it needs to be refreshed like the this sort of like antiquated these views. I mean, most of the people, if they've been in the church their whole life. They already know the basics, right? They know the foundations. I'm guessing because I'm I was never like a per I wasn't really brought up in the church. Um, but I'm guessing that they know the foundations of what it's like to be a good Christian. You know, but why are we not teaching about like credit? What it's like to have good credit and how when you have good credit, you can get a house, you can get you a nice car. Like what you know? Like, and 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 so when when we talk about like black, specifically black, because you know I am black. I don't know about Catholics or whomever. When we talk about the black church, that's my number one gripe. It's like mm-hmm. we need to be talk. We need to be teaching like religious things, but also real world things. Yeah, practical stuff. Yeah. I I totally, I totally agree with you. That is something that we just do not do in our community. And because we don't do it, we don't teach it, then we do GoFundMe's when we have a funeral. Okay. (laughs) So I I totally agree that we need to be 
balanced on everything. We need to be teaching everything in the church, and it, even in our homes, you know. Yeah. And, and so um, we have to have that. We have to teach them spiritual things. We have to teach them about money. We have to teach them about investment. We have to teach them about insurance. We have to teach these things. And when we don't teach these things, it is a, it's evidence when, you know, there's a lack of knowledge. And when there is available resources and technology and information out there, we just don't do it. And it hurts us as a community. And why do you think that, like, specifically, you know, within the church, why do you think there is re- resistance to you know, start, I mean, and I know like some churches perhaps that are a little bit more progressive, they do these things, but why do you think there is such resistance to what's looked at as the the, the traditional way of teaching? I I think probably because the old school mentality, some people is not willing to change or evolve. They just do what was taught to them. It's like a, like it's like a generational thing. It's like, okay, this is how the church been taught for this many years, and this is what it is. It's it's even like to go to say like um like some pre- um, pastors are are rapping and they getting a lot of flack about it. But hey, if you're getting these kids in the church, then why not? Right, <laughs> a rapping pastor? Where's that? I gotta watch that yeah. video. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Some of the, the younger ones are changing the way you know. I guess whatever it takes to get these young young people in the church, mm-hmm. but they're still being fawned upon because church is um, quote unquote is supposed to be taught a certain way. Yeah. So some people is just not willing to learn other ways or to do things differently. And just like you said, teaching them how to survive, teaching them how to have good credit, teaching them how to um, conduct themselves in a way that they're supposed to be conducted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean... With, and with social media out here, yeah. you know, these kids is learning a lot of things that's not, you know, good for them. Absolutely. Right? And it's like a basic yeah. principle of like, I don't want to say like advertising or marketing, but in a sense, that's what it is, right? Like when you look at a brand and they want to get there, they want to entice you. So maybe it's a free gift with purchase. Maybe it's, um, you know, 15% off your your first order. There, there's a hook, right? It has to be something to lure you in. And so with, with a, you know, the the pastors that you're speaking about that maybe they're rapping or even for people like, you know, Kirk Franklin, who I remember when he first came out was considered like wildly controversial. That's the hook because, you know, you hear like a little bass and you're like, oh, what's this? I like this. But then when you actually listen to his words, his message is on brand with the church. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it, I don't see the problem in that because we, we all have to grow. And if you're not getting the message across one way, you're just going to continue, you know, preaching to people who already know the word. That's not where the work needs to be done. The work needs to be done to the people that's out there on the corner 
or yeah. in the club. You know, that's not in the church. They yeah. need they need the word. They need to to hear to be administered to or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. And not only that, you know, they take uh, collection every Sunday. Oh boy, there should be. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something, uh, I think it was Urban Intellectuals. Um, and it was like the black church has collected about $420 billion. <laughs> and like, and it, it goes back to what I was saying. You have to start at home, educating your children, teaching them, things, you know, just basic things that they need to, to survive. Right. Yeah. I mean, but if they, you know, because some people don't know those things, right? So what if you, you know, if your mama didn't know because your grandmother didn't know and your grandmother didn't know because her mother didn't know, you know, there are places that the the church being one of those places in the community that was considered like a hub, a, a mecca, if you will. You go there for, you know, spiritual, for guidance in general. You know what I mean? And so it's, if, if, if churches are still held in that same regard, which in many communities they are, and they're generating mass amounts of wealth, where, you know, like you said, where is that money going? And of course, if a preacher is, you know, people driving around in nice cars and owning nice homes, I have no problem with that because if you work, you should be paid for your work. And that includes a pastor. Like they shouldn't have to be poor. I don't, I mean, I don't think so if they're putting that work in. Um, But there has, if your whole, if you're, if you have that position, you have a responsibility in your, especially in your church. Let's not even take it outside the church, but to your congregation that everyone is good or at least has the opportunity to be good. You know what I mean? Right. And um, like with my mom, my mom's church, there's actually a bunch of my family members that go to this same church. And I will say, while I don't agree with everything that they, you know, I don't, I don't agree with some of their ways. Mm-hmm. For me, the stuff that matters is like when people are hungry, they can go get food. They have a food mm-hmm. program twice a week that feeds thousands of people in that community. And most of them don't go to church. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have a lot of be. right. And you're right. So you don't have to go to church to be to, for somebody to feed you. Exactly. No, no. That's the that's what the church is supposed to do. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. For people, you know, to feed the 
you know, to minister and see the needs of the people, people that are outside, outside the church. That's what, you know, God instructs us to do. And then for those that are inside the church, it is really to um, teach us, you know, not just the, the spiritual, biblical, sound doctrine, but it is to teach us about finances. It is to teach us about how to behave. It is to teach us how to carry ourselves. I mean, this is what the church is supposed to be doing, you know, and if we're not covering all the bases, then we are not only lacking in our community, we're lacking in not providing those resources for one another. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I hope to see, um, you know, a, a continued change or a, a continued growth in, in, in the role that the black church plays in, you know, in our communities, because, you know, there, there is nothing like black church. I might not agree with, like I said, with everything that goes down, but it's, it's an experience, you know, the singing, the, the, the words that are spoken, you can feel the energy you know, right. you can feel it. it. You know, if you're right. open to it, you can feel it. And it can be life changing. You know, I, I just think that after the service, right? Like, it's all about the work that's after. Like, after we're yeah. here. It's Sunday. Yeah. We're going home. Now, Monday. Now what? I yeah. want to take yeah. that feeling with me. I want to keep it with me. How can I be supported? You know, if I, I don't, don't want to wait till next Sunday. Hello. Right. Cause the, and I'm, okay. <laughs> because Monday through Saturday, I might be in trouble. <laughs> yes. No, Monday through Saturday, you will be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do these pastors or these churches um, in a, a higher regard, like, what they supposed to do for our community. Like, why do we accept what they give us or what they, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, you're right. And and that's how you know that, you know, when people say, well, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, and I was chosen by God. No offense, but some of them, you know that's not true. Yes. <laughs> like, you, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that God chose you because, you know, <laughs> Like you're you're a scam artist, so there's no way, <laughs> you know. And it's just, I mean, they they prey on you know people who are desperate, people yeah. who they they're desperate, they need help, and yeah. if someone is there, like I can I can give you all of this. It's unfortunate. That's the bad part. Yeah, yeah. That's the really sad part when you preying on people emotional. <laughs> And right, like, somebody have something going on in their life, and yeah, yeah, them this and you telling them that, and that's what they want to hear because they're right. desperate. Yeah, so true. That is so true. Oh boy. Well, I, I want to switch gears for a bit, um, and 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 talk about some of the work that you're doing now. Again, you know, best selling Amazon author. Uh, we have like secret places revealed, living separate lives. Um, so completely whole. All of these titles sound extremely inspirational. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I want to talk about, you know, the, the, the work that you're doing now, how it was inspired by, um, you know, your experience and your growth within the church. Yeah. 
first started writing, um, I started writing through my divorce. And so through all that pain, and, mm. and I found that, you know, God's word was really going to um, be put to test in my own life. And so, um, you know, the scripture says that all things work together for good. And that really was evident in my life. And so while I was going through the divorce, um, I just had to believe that God had something better for me. That I, I didn't think that he was allowing me to go through what I was going through just for nothing. Right. You know, just to be just just to be going through it. And there was a purpose for it all. And I found that purpose in writing. And so I began to journal uh, my transformation going through that divorce and what it did to me internally, what it did to me emotionally and, and dealing with my own um lack of self-worth and dealing with my own, um, you know, hopelessness. And so I started writing and finding that writing was very therapeutic for me because I began to reflect on how far God had brought me. And so, have you know, having him help me through that, that, that process. And so I was able to um, take the, um, the emotional trauma that I was going through and really um, allowing God to just really use it for his glory and for, um, to help me through that process. And so I began to write and, um, and not realizing that that was really, um, birthed within, <clears throat> birthed within all the pain that I was going through. And so my, um, I started writing uh, my first book in 2008 and I wrote about my journey. I wrote about my story, my divorce and, and how it broke me and, um, and the pieces that God had to, you know, put back together in my own life. And that really was the transformation that I had to, to really go through because I, I had a choice to make, you know, back then I either, I was going to allow, you know, the divorce to, um, uh, you know, dictate the rest of my life mm -hmm. or I was going to use what had happened to propel me to, to, pro to prosper and right. to be successful. Right. And so I chose the latter and um, it was during that process that, you know, I started writing and being able to articulate how I was feeling and, um, and God just really began to just really bless and open up great doors for me, not only to just write, but to minister and to share and then to help other women who have gone to emotional trauma to really write and tell their own stories. That's amazing. That, and, and I love what you said, you know, you could let it define you or, you know, you could work towards becoming a better you like that. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but I love that because so many of us, we get knocked down and we spend the rest of our lives trying to get back up. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I, I think that it's, 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 it's just such a, it's a powerful, um, you know, story of yours because it, it involves, you know, so it's multi-layered, right? You, it wasn't just, you know, the church, it, it was also a divorce. It was also, you know, you as a wife, as a mother, yeah. um, yeah. and, and that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and you're right. I, I have to agree with you because we, we as women, we, we carry all those roles, you know. And so, um, there was a there was, for me it was a lot 
of layers to pull back. Yeah. And so every every layer that I had to pull back was a self discovery. Every layer wasn't exciting. It was painful, mm. you know, and I had to go through that those painful moments. And um, but knowing that God has something greater for me, and I begin to see that in my very own life. And um, and so you know, after writing my first book, and now I have eleven, and so I wow. see, yeah, that's amazing. You know, I, I, I see how the hand of God was was on my life, and that just just doesn't apply to me. It applies to anyone that is at a place in their lives where they they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know, you know, tomorrow. They they're at a bad place. They may be going through divorce, you know, or they may have lost someone. But I found that my purpose. I found that it was something God wanted me to go through, allowed me to go through, picked me to go through it because he knew that greater was in me. He knew that I could do it. I had to find out that I could do it. I had to find my own strength. I had to find out and, and, and realize that, you know what, he didn't allow me to go through it alone. He, he allowed me to go through it so that I could be a testimony to other women. And um, he allowed me to, to endure it so that I can write my stories and help other women write their own stories, but even more so just to be able to minister to them, to bring them hope and, and give them a resolve that they can't make it to. Mm-hmm. I love that. And sometimes when, when, when even hearing other people's stories and um, reading other people's stories is an inspiration to you. You know, you just just by telling your story, you can help someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that is so true. And when I wrote my first book, um, it's entitled That Was Then, This Is Now, This Broken Bustle Restored. And coming from a pastor, an ex-pastor's wife, coming from a minister, coming from someone that was in the church, coming from someone who had spent years masking who she was. And so being able to remove the mask being able to be my authentic self, being able to be real, being yeah. able to tell people that I struggle with suicide, mm. being able to tell people that I struggle with loneliness, being able to tell people that I hit rock bottom emotionally, you know, and that I had scars, that I had bruises, you know, and I'm sitting in the church. And so being able to articulate that to let other people know, you know what, you don't know what your neighbor is going through because sometimes right. they're not able to articulate articulate that sometimes they are not able to share that sometimes they don't have that trust factor but for me to be able to write it and to tell it and I knew that when I started writing that story I knew that I was going to get clapped back I knew that um, Mm. those that are around me were going to you know say things but I had to put myself out there you know and I did and and God really has blessed my life because of it and, you know, I think also as well, it's like um, me and Shakira doing this podcast, you know, we listen to so many stories. We hear so many things. Yeah. Like, you know, we have, like, this platform just to talk about things and just to let people know that you're not the only one that's going through things. And just to, you know, to have a, a place where you can just listen and hear someone else is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's and so... It's nothing, it's nothing out here like this. Nothing. That I've listened to. <laughs> Go ahead and toot your own horn. I know, I know, I know. But I'm... I'm it's needed. It, it really is. Thank you. It, Thank no, you it, it, yeah. yeah, no, it, it really is needed because people need to know that they, they're not by themselves because yeah. a lot of times, I know for me, I felt like I was, you know, and there were, I was in a position of, of you know, co-pastoring. So of course I couldn't share a whole lot of stuff of what I was going through because of who I was and my title. Right. And so I had to find someone, you know, and God began to put people in my life that I could trust with my emotions, trust with my feelings. But when you, you know, when you have a podcast, you're talking to people all over the world, you know, you are able to, you know, minister in a way that people can listen and they don't, you may not never know them, but yeah. they hear the words that people are saying through your podcast. And, and, and that can be, the exact thing that they need at that moment, you know, that the, you, you, you're, you know, you're, um, you're sharing things about where people, where life issues are and someone listening could be at a place where, you know what, um, listening to a podcast versus, you know what, I want to kill myself. Right. Changing. Yes. You know, that, that's, that's <laughs> what I was, that's just where I was going at with this. That's yeah. just the, the, um, sentiment that I was going with this because it's needed. Things are need to be talked about. Just like yeah. you know, like she was saying stuff that was back in the days was hidden. People <laughs> didn't talk about suicide and all no. the stuff that's um, available today. Yeah. And so, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I mean I you know, I, I really appreciate you, you know, sharing your story, like I said, because it, it's one thing for people to be, you know, to suffer and, and to go through things. But when you're in a certain position, as you mentioned, you know, whether it's the church, whether it's, you know, how people in your family look at you. Some people are, you know, expected to do more or be more in within their own family. And you feel that pressure and you feel like, you know, like you said, you're alone or you're suffering in silence. You don't know if the person sitting next to you feels the exact same way. You know what I mean? And, you, you know, your message, like I, it really spoke to me, you know, when we when we spoke initially, because, you know, the level of vulnerability that you have, I mean, it, it's amazing and it takes so much strength. And people don't understand that it takes more strength to speak out about what you're yeah. going through than to be silent. Um, and then... Also with that is you you got back up and you did the work to make yourself better. Mm-hmm. And that's something yeah. I feel like is also overlooked. It's like you're not going to get back up and just be fine. It doesn't work like that. You have to put in the time. Like you said, some of the layers you peeled back, they were ugly. They were painful, <laughs> right? But you had you had, to, you had to keep going. You had to keep peeling it back just to strip yourself down so that you can build yourself up even greater. Um, and I, I think it's such an important message, especially for, you know, for, for black women to hear from other black women. Um, and I'm, I'm just very grateful for the work that you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're I appreciate welcome. That. 
Of course. Of course. Um, so tell everyone, you know, wh- where they can find you, where they can buy your books, how they can find um, information out about, you know, speaking engagements and things like that. Yeah. Well, of course, I am on uh, all the social media outlets, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. On Facebook, um, they can find me under Pastor Key, Pastor Colette, and then Twitter and IG is Colette Harper. They can also email me at pharperjohnson at gmail.com, and my books are on Amazon and Barnes & Noble's. Awesome. All right. So ladies, you can get your mind and your spirit right with Paulette via social media, via, you know, if she's in your city locally, uh, you can pick up one or several books on Amazon.com and really just, you know, get get into peeling back your own layers and, and getting towards your own healing. Oh, this is great. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel better. I just, I feel like I, <laughs> you know, like, I know that wasn't the purpose per se, but I, I just, I feel better towards the end of this call. So that, that's amazing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. See that it does work. Talking does work. Sharing does work. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, thank you so much, Paulette, for joining us again. I'm very grateful for the work that you do and for your time. And uh, any final words, Auntie? You know, it was just inspiring and wonderful to speak with you. Um, Like like Shakira said, I I, I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) You know, I, I do appreciate the opportunity to share and to uh, engage with uh, both of you and your audience. And I just pray that something that I've shared would be able to really empower and inspire um, all your listeners as well. Yes, I'm, I'm sure it will. Uh, I, I look forward to hearing uh, the feedback from the episode and we'll definitely share things with you as they come in. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome, Paulette. All right, guys. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Everybody's Favorite Auntie is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and for free at blackbravado.com slash everybody's favorite auntie. You can follow us on Instagram at blackbravado and on Facebook at everybody's favorite auntie. This has been another episode of Everybody's Favorite Auntie. Giving you the real, the straight, with no chase up.